Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Light the Fight. I am one half of your host team, David. Tonight, Heidi's not with us. Heidi has bigger fish to fry than coming down here and hanging out with me and our producer. No, um, Heidi actually had a crafting event. If you follow Heidi, she's a crafter. And if you know anything about crafting, the holidays are kind of a big deal, specifically Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. So she's uh, teaching people how to get better and how to... um, just make beautiful things or bedazzle things, as she likes to say. So uh, since Heidi's not with me tonight and I'm actually feeling under the weather, um, I'd like to just answer some questions from uh, the past a couple events that we've done, the past event at the middle school and also past event in Heber City. So for those people who are fans and listeners that were at those two events and had some questions that they sent in, I'm going to be answering a few of those questions right now. But before I do that, I want to give you guys a helpful reminder that if you need help, getting your teen counseling, look no further, go to teencounseling.com backslash LTF and receive a 10% discount. Teen counseling uh, hooks you up with a licensed counselor and therapist that is perfect for your needs. Um, You get a chance to talk to the therapist. You get to pick the therapist based upon the qualifications and and the match that teencounseling.com does for you. And you get a fast response. Within 24 hours, they get back to you. And you can be seeing someone within a week or even within a few days. Um, I've heard from some of our listeners, they got in really fast. So teencounseling.com, especially if you live in a a rural area, you're out away, don't have a lot of counselors that are good with teens or they even specialize with teens, teencounseling.com has made it possible for you to find the right teen counselor for you all through the power of the phone using similar to a FaceTime technology on teencounseling.com. So teencounseling.com backslash light the fight. Also, big shout out to our um, community sponsor, 1-800-CONTACTS. They still are awesome. Their contacts are still amazing, and we still love them. Thank you for their community sponsorship and look forward to uh, doing future events with them here in our community sponsored by 1-800-CONTACTS. So let's get into some questions. As I said, I am not feeling all that well. And all you ladies know, when a guy's got a cold, everybody needs to stop what they're doing. Take care of him. Get a stretcher, ice packs, food, whatever he needs. Now, all jo- joking aside, I think I am that bad. My wife, my wife usually thinks I'm. When I say tough, I'm fairly tough for a therapist. I guess is probably the way she'd put it. <laughs> no, she she thinks I'm decently tough for a guy who talks about feelings all day long. But man, when I get sick, she makes fun of me all the time. So, baby, I apologize for being such such a softy when I'm sick. So let's get into some of these questions, though. First one I got here are, and I have not read any of these questions, um, so hopefully the day quill allows me to think clearly as I'm reading these questions. What are some ways for moms to hang out with their teens? My husband plays video games with them, but that's not really my thing. Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked this question, and thank you the mom that put in this question. 
We had a similar question to this in a DM episode a long, long time ago, and I'm going to answer pretty much the same thing. The answer is in your question. The very last part of that says, but that's not really my thing. Now, let me ask you a question, Mom. What do you think would impress your son more? You trying to convince him, or what do you think would impress him more? Let's say, what do you think would interest him more? You trying to get to spend some quality mom son time with him, doing something that you feel comfortable doing or something you love doing, or you being really uncomfortable, totally awkward, scared, nervous by trying to play video games that you have no idea how to do it, but you have the mentality that, you know what, I'm just going to give it my best shot and I'm going to go for it. Had a mom one time, uh, I suggested this, same thing, it was about video games, and she tried to convince me that that wasn't necessary because that would send a wrong message to her son, that video games are okay. Um, she also went out on long, long, she got very long-winded about all these different types of reasons why not only should she not do that, but it wouldn't work anyways. And I just simply said, okay, I got it. I said, uh, I go, but in life, who's more successful, you or your son? She goes, what do you mean? Well, when we, when I explained to her, she had a job, she paid bills, she was a single mom, she, you know, she had a good job, she made good money, she had a lot going for her that she had been successful in life. I said, so you have lots of wins in life that you know that you're confident because you've accomplished and done difficult things. And so because of that, you feel that you've got what it takes to raise these boys and to be able to help them out and to be able to give them everything that they need even though they don't have a father in their life. And she's like, absolutely. I said, okay. I said, so you're usually the stronger dominant person in the relationship with your boys and you teach or you instruct or you model for them and then they listen, they learn, and they follow you. She's like, pretty much. She's like, I don't like the way that sounds, but yeah, pretty much that that's what happens. And so I said, okay, well, I want you to now be the person in the weaker position in the relationship. I want you to be the one who's not strong, not confident, and let them be the one that has the experience, that has the know-how, and they can teach you. But they could also tease you a little bit. They can make fun of you. But it's going to be okay if you make fun of yourself. If you joke about it, if you show that you're fearless and you're just going to go out there and try something and you don't care if it makes you look silly or look ridiculous, if it's a laugh at your expense, but it's spending time with your son and it makes him look at you differently and go, wow, mom, I'm totally shocked and surprised. I can't believe you sat down and played video games with me. I thought you hated video games. Specifically, if it's the video game that you've complained to him that you think it's ruining his brain, it's bad for him, I want you to play that video game. Yes, I said that one because that would blow his mind even more. We're going for shock value. Teenagers like to be shocked. They like, you know, they like to be, their curiosity be sparked. If he sees that you're willing to play the video game that you hated on before, doesn't mean that you think it's good for him to play a video game every waking hour of his life. It just means that you're not the person that he thought you were, hello, open for a new relationship. No longer just mom a little baby boy. Now you can have a relationship with him as a young man and you as a woman. So hopefully you like that one. Question number two, how do you handle it when your teenager tells you they won't follow your rules anymore and they truly believe that they are above your rules? They believe they should have no curfew and no limits on screen time. Well, thank you for the question. Appreciate that so much. And uh, here's how I want to answer that. 
it makes a lot of sense that your teenager feels that your rules are hurting their freedom because they are. Kind of. I know as parents, we want to help our teenagers understand this, but it's very difficult for them to understand. If they do their chores, if they do their homework, they do all the things that we want them to do, then they will have more freedom because they don't just have us allow them to do something that one time. What they don't realize happening is they're gaining our trust and our respect. That way we're not just giving the freedom, okay, you did the chores one time, so I'll let you go hang out with your friends one time. But if you're consistently doing the chores, then your parents, not only will they let you hang out with your friends more, but let's say a day where you're supposed to do chores, you may be able to go to your parents and say, listen, I think I proved to you I always do my chores. Could I just this one time go out and hang out with my friends and then do my chores later? Right? That's definitely, you know, something that, that wouldn't be so absurd to say. So here's a little experiment that I want you parents to try. Before you have the opportunity, a little plug here to download my parenting partnership e-course. They'll be coming out in about a month. Um, before you have that available to you and you can do that, you can run a little experiment. Tell your teen, I'll use this as the example. Let's say your teenager wants the freedom to uh, do their chores and their homework after they have screen time and have fun. So a lot of teenagers say they come home from school, they're tired, they're exhausted, they want to relax, they want to chill out for a little while, they want to stack, snack, they want to play video games, and they want to do the chores and um, their homework later. Well, if you're one of those parents that demands all the other things up front, like all the work up front, and your kid is like giving you a really hard time about it, then that means this is a great opportunity for an experiment. You tell them, okay, here's what we'll do. For the next three weeks, we'll try this experiment. Will allow you, I'm not telling you that you can do your homework and your chores after you have fun and screen time. What I'm telling you is you get to choose which one. So if you have a really heavy homework day and you know there's a ton of homework and you know you have the freedom to do the homework whenever you feel like it, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you'll figure that out, how much homework you gotta do up front. Even if you make a mistake and you know, you don't do the homework and you get bad grades, whatever. I'd rather you learn this lesson now. And maybe you surprised me and maybe you actually really did need a break when you came home and maybe I'm wrong. What I want you to do, parents, I want you to put it out there, this simple truth that all teenagers know. You're not perfect. But if you tell them, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this would work better for you because you know it for me as an adult, I like to come home and relax before I do things too. Little time out here. They're not an adult yet. And 9.9 .9 times out of 10, they're going to screw this up. But that's not what it's about. You want to give them the chance to learn that it won't work out that way. Now, I hear some parents say right now, you're thinking like, but they're going to get bad, bad grades. Like That three weeks could screw up the whole entire quarter. And you could tell me every possible bad thing that could happen from their three weeks of this experiment. And I will say the exact same thing that I'm going to say right now. doesn't matter. Just three weeks. They're a teenager. You want them living in your basement 40 years old? You want to try this experiment for three weeks. Do you want them to learn the harsh reality that if you don't go to work, you don't get a paycheck? Or do you want them to figure out that right now you can get fired for being on your phone too much and for being on social media and stuff like that too much from your job? Let them learn those lessons now. So until the Parenting Partnership Agreement e-course comes out, um, I would suggest doing a little three-week experiment. And whatever it is your kid wants more, if they want more screen time, everything's in reason. So let's say they're allowed 
an hour of screen time. And they go, this is ridiculous. You know, blah, blah, blah. I should, I should have two hour, or I should have two hour screen time. So, okay, tell you what, for three weeks, you get two hours of screen time. They say, well, I should be able to get it when I want. Great. But here's the thing. We're going to track your phone. If you go over that screen time every single day for those three weeks, or if, you know, you got to make some sort of thing, like you can't go over it at the end of each week for you to earn it the next week. So you have a whole entire week. And during that week, if they don't go over the screen time, let's say it's two hours and you give them the freedom. And by the way, you're not going to give them any reminders, parents. See, if you don't give them any reminders, and if you don't tell them, hey, it's an hour and 59 minutes, you better get off it now, or else you're not going to earn your phone back next week, then they're going to forget. You know how I know they're going to forget? Everybody forgets. Apple was blown away when they found out how many people during their studies were blown away. People were like, oh, I think it was on my phone like an hour. They're like, it was five. People are like, no way, I wasn't on Instagram that long. And apparently those numbers and analytics don't care what you think. They're just numbers and analytics. So your teenager will screw this up, but guess what? When they screw it up, you don't tell them, I told you so. You look at them and say, I'll tell you what. So what do you think now that you haven't turned out the way you want it to for the first three weeks? What do you think would be a more realistic screen time? Or do you think you should do your homework first and then you know, do screen time afterwards? Let them try to figure out what's going to work for them. Because if you just tell them what's going to be better for them and they always listen, yes, they will be obedient and that's great but they will also not have any experience how to make decisions for themselves. All right, number three. Uh, Let me pull this one up here real quick. All right, how do you handle a teenager who wants to always be by your side, almost like a shadow? Hmm, okay, didn't see that question coming. Don't get that question too much. Usually it's, uh, how do you get your teenager to want to be by your side ever? And that's easy. Just uh, dangle money out of your pocket, a couple hundred dollar bills, let it hang out of your pocket. They'll get close at some point. <laughs> no, so, um, man, you know, I, I wish I knew more about this situation. Um, someone always by your side. But this is pretty simple. Why would you want to be by someone's side, as especially as a teenager? Well, something about that person is attractive. Something about that person must be strong. They must have qualities, traits. They must have something that you don't have. Therefore, you need them as a shield. So I'm assuming your child has some sort of fears, anxieties, insecurities on some end of the spectrum that's making them feel that being close to you, they will be safer. When people don't feel like they have their stuff together, the next best thing is to associate yourself with someone that does have their stuff together or at least acts really confident like they have their stuff together. Parents are really good at the whole entire fake it till you make it thing because everybody knows, you know, it doesn't come with any sort of instruction. So we're just trying to figure it out. So if your child is, is always by your side and you're trying to encourage them to do things without you, then you're gonna have to do a little good old fashioned reverse manipulation. By the way, all these answers I'm giving you, I could go off. There's 30 different things on each one of these like tips and there's tons of ways to approach this. But this one in particular you need to give them a reflection like they're looking in the mirror. When they look at you, they need to see what they're capable of. They don't need to see their fear. They don't need to see their worries and their concerns. Because if they're looking at you for validation that they're okay, and if you're looking at them with worry and concern because you're like, hey, you know, you need to go out and do some things with other people. Now, if you could see my face right now, I'm making this squinty face like, you know, sweetheart, you should go hang out with other friends, go do things, you know, you don't want to come to Costco with me. Like, that's boring. I'm, 
I'm just going to go to Costco. And she said, but I'd like to be with you, mom. And I always want to be there. Plus they got good, you know, snacks there at Costco for free. And they're always cute and they're always cuddly. But what they're doing is they're placating off the one thing that most parents have always wanted. Our kids to be close to us. So there's this weird thing that like, you, it feels good, but something about the timeline in their life that feels a little off. You want to be able to help them, but it's cute and enduring that they're around you. Well, at this particular stage of their life, they need to develop their own autonomy. They need to work on themselves, developing their own personality development. So here's a couple of basic things you can do. All I want you to do is I want you to go to them and I want you to start telling them that you need help with making certain decisions. So you partner up with your teenager. It could be on anything. It could be on what you're going to do for dinner. It could be on you know, um, advice about other people in the family. It could be advice about your own personal life. Kids love it. Teenagers love it when their adult parent asks them advice on little simple things that just show some sort of curiosity about what, shows curiosity that you're interested in what they would think in that scenario. And how does this help? Well, what you're doing is you don't ask people questions and you don't tell people to help you with something if you don't feel like they have information and the capability to help you. It reverses the field and the trajectory of your child's intention. Your child's intention when they're walking into a situation is how can I get close to my parent to feel safe and secure? But if the parent turns towards the child when there are in a safe scenario and situation like in the home and starts asking the, the child for the advice, now in this case, the child's a teenager, so it should, you know, I'm not talking about little kids, asking the teenager for advice, what do they think? If the teenager's like, I don't know, then tell them, no, I, I actually really want your advice. Like I see that you've got some confidence here and maybe you've had some experience with this or you're a young person. It may not even have anything to do about you. You could make up fake scenarios about friends, kids, and you're just trying to understand kids nowadays in the generation. So you ask them to weigh in on it. That's so great because they're experts on their own kind. They're around teenagers all the time. So if you tell them things like, hey, what do you think about the whole vaping thing? And you're really hardcore against vaping. That's not what I'm talking about. Because that sound, that almost feels like bait. Like you're baiting them in to try to disclose something. Have you vaped? Have you done that? Parents do that a lot too. They start a conversation, but it's not a real conversation. It's an interrogation that's covered up to look like a conversation. So you don't want to be pegged as, you know, that you're doing that because that'll cause, you know, your, your, your teenager to pull away from you. But you just want to extract information from them. And the best way to do that is to act like you have a problem. You don't know how to figure it out. A friend has a problem and you're just wondering if they might be able to you know, weigh in or kind of give some advice or share some understanding because you have no idea about the situation. Make your kids the professional, you become the student, and then guess what happens when you're gonna go to a situation where you feel that your kid shouldn't be by your side and needs to have their own autonomy, their own individual self and needs to be alone, then you can refer back and tell them, hey, listen, do you remember that conversation? Do you remember when you did this? Do you remember when you did that? You obviously feel comfortable being around me, but you obviously have learned a whole lot of things when you're not around me. All those things that you talked to me about and told me to do were things that you learned not from me because if you learned them from me, I wouldn't ask you for help with those things. Your kid will look at you and be like, dang, they got a good point. Now, this is not just one conversation, but this is multiple conversations where you start giving them this language of like, man, you, well, you're capable of doing that. Like you tell me, wait, you don't need to come with me to the store. Like, 
You have your license. You can go to the store by yourself. Well, I just like it when you come with me. Or why don't you just drive and I'll come with you? I tell you what, I'll drive with you in your car. So whatever they're asking and they're requiring, not saying that you have to tell your kids, no, I won't come with you. No, I won't do these things with you. Whatever they say to you, think about it and come back with a rebuttal, like, like a, a negotiation. You never want... Um, like, for example, I'm training a new puppy right now. According to Caesar Milan, he's telling me if my my puppy's try, crying to get out of the kennel, like crying, 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 not because he has to go to the bathroom, just because, you know, he just have, being a puppy for a second. He goes, you don't go to the gate and let him out. He goes, but because if you do that, it's going to teach the puppy every time they cry, you get let out. And so they'll just start crying louder and louder and louder and louder. It's, it's our teenagers are puppy adults. Well, Maybe not as cute as a puppy <laughs> at teenagers. Okay. They used to be puppies. Now they're getting that kind of awkward stage where, you know, they got long lanky legs and stuff like that as a puppy. Point is you want to get your teenager involved in what's happening. So then when they have something that's going to take them to step outside their comfort zone, you have plenty of evidence to refer back to, to prove to them and to negotiate and debate with them that they are capable of doing things on their own. Well, as always, thanks for visiting us here at Light the Fight Podcast. Your support, your feedback, your your iTunes um, comments and, and reviews, just sharing us with your friends, your family members. Our appreciation is to the moon and back. We love you guys. We're so thankful for all of you. I know if Heidi was here, she would say the, the, very, uh, the very last thing that we always say, but since she's not here, I'll say it for her. Thank you for helping us to light the fight.